One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com with me, your host, Tim Stillman, with the Kyra Cooney Cross podcast. I'm really going to have to try and get used to wrapping my tongue around those words because, um, yeah, it can be quite difficult for some reason. But obviously, every time Arsenal make a new signing, we drop a podcast on them talking about the player with someone who knows. And I'm going to do that momentarily with Anna Harrington, who's from AAP Newswire based in Melbourne, also part of the of ESPN's Far Post podcast, which is an excellent podcast about Australian women's football. Uh, one of the other hosts, Samantha Lewis, has been on the the. Uh, show a couple of times as well uh, so really looking forward to speaking to Anna who who kind of covered Kyra Cooney Cross in depth uh, particularly when she was at Melbourne Victory but uh, Anna's also a correspondent for the Matildas the Australian women's national team so she really knows this player very well um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, I guess how the how the transfer came about how we came to find out about the transfer I guess because obviously this was a deadline day signing told everything was signed off about three minutes before the deadline because obviously Kyra is Australian and there are certain kind of visa and paperwork uh, regulations that that need to be taken care of but essentially as of what 8am deadline day morning I had absolutely no idea about this transfer at all which is why this podcast has waited a couple of days because usually when we make a new signing we kind of know about it and we can uh, line up our ducks here on Ask Blog News and get the podcast recorded, usually ahead of the announcement. Couldn't do that this time because didn't know about it. 8am deadline day morning. The deadline was 11pm uh, Thursday evening. I knew absolutely nothing. Someone tweeted me and said, are we expecting anything from Arsenal today? And I, I replied very earnestly and said, I haven't heard of anything, uh, which is not the same as saying nothing is happening. I just hadn't heard of anything and then about 15 minutes later, I did hear of something <laughs> um, and I got a message to suggest a deal for Cooney Cross might be in the offing. Um, I'd known the night before that the Emirates had been booked out for the afternoon, which you know usually happens for new signing announcements. I thought that that might be for the Martin Erdgaard contract, to be honest, so I didn't take an awful lot of notice of it. The other thing, clue that I didn't take much notice of was out in Sweden for the Ling Chirping game. Kyra Cooney Cross was in the stands for that game. I didn't really think anything of it because she was playing for Hammerby in Sweden and clearly two of her, her close international teammates, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford, were playing. I thought she'd probably just come across to see them um, because she would have been in pre-season with Hammerby. So um, those were two clues I kind of ignored. Um, but I got a message on Thursday morning to say this might be in the offing. Um, before we put a story out on Ask Blog News, we pretty much always double source at least. Um, and usually... Uh, you know, this summer with, with our transfers, and look, we're, we're going to blow our own trumpet here a bit. We've got all five of them. We've broken all five of them um, this summer. But usually, 
you get some time to put some information together. So, for example, when we broke the Alessia Russo story in mid-June, I'd been putting that information together for close to a week before I, I actually published anything. I knew nothing was going to happen before the end of her contract in June. So I had I had a little bit of time, albeit kind of nowadays there's so much more kind of competition in this space with transfers that you never know what anyone else knows and someone might beat you to the punch. Clearly accuracy is the biggest priority, but you do kind of want to be first as well. But with all the other signings um, this summer, you know, Russo, Illichstedt, Lacasse had a bit of time to put those together. Uh, Leia Kadena as well had, you know, that, that was really a good 24, 48 hours of putting that together before we were able to break that. This was breakneck speed. This really was. We went from, I didn't go, 8.15 a.m. Um, that I first heard about Kyra Cooney Cross. We broke it at 9.57 a.m. It's never moved that quickly um, before, but deadline day, as with reporting on transfers, probably similar to completing transfers in that all, all the kind of timelines are compressed. So essentially, I was waiting on um, a second source to, to confirm to me, uh, kind of, you know, really tapping on the table like that, getting nervous because I thought, oh, probably other people know. And 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 again, you know, professional pride, you kind of want to be first. Um, and, and actually, Rich Laverty, who we broke the story with, he's written about this on his Substack, uh, actually on Friday, about, about this process. It's, it's a really good article. It's a really good kind of peek behind the curtain, um, really. And Rich gets a lot more information than I do, like across the WSL. Um, and probably has a, a, a lot more relationships than I do, um, for example. But essentially, while I was waiting on my second source, he messaged me because he'd heard that Kyra Cooney Cross was going to the WSL. He knew that. He knew she was flying to England, but um, but no, but he couldn't get the name of the club. Now, through his other links, he knew that Chelsea had kind of backed off of this deal with Cooney Cross. He knew that Manchester United were going to sign Irene Guerrero. In fact, I think that was out in the press. He knew Manchester City were not active. And so he kind of put two and two together and thought it must be Arsenal. So he messaged me, uh, at which point I said, yep, I've heard this and I'm waiting on a second source. So at that point, he's heard it. He's heard it be, he didn't get the club name. I did. So we kind of got one and three quarter sources between us at that point. And so I, you know, we were like, when, when do we go out with this? And I kind of said, let's wait on, on this kind of second uh, information source. And I was still waiting. Um, and then Rich messaged me and said, look, I know this is about to go out in the Swedish media. So it, it was that kind of, if the Swedish media have got it, that's, that's definitely, um, that's definitely confirmation. So really between us, we probably had about 3.4 sources or something, which is not usual. Usually you'd get a couple of really clear, yes, this is happening type thing. But, um, you know, it, it was all kind of jumbled up and bits and pieces of information. And we knew we'd have to run it quite quickly if we were going to get it. So w we did. And it quickly became apparent that, yes, other people were working on this story and were close to breaking it as well. But nevertheless, that was the kind of process of, of, of breaking the story. Um, quite unusual, um, quite different. But that's that's the nature of deadline day. Um, clearly Arsenal um, 
really, I think what's quite smart about this move is that the reason I think Arsenal were able to and did come in quite late is because other teams were interested in this player, like Chelsea, like Manchester United. I was told during the World Cup that Cooney Cross was a player of interest um, to Arsenal, um, particularly because they did make a bit of a play for Kira Walsh at the beginning of the window, from what I'm told, but clearly very difficult deal to do. Barcelona were not willing to sell, so Arsenal were looking at other options in midfield, and they were interested in Cooney Cross, but essentially felt that Chelsea were quite close to doing the deal. Clearly, Chelsea kind of backed off because of the price they were quoted for a player who would have been available on a free in January. So, a lot of things happened, but I think essentially what happened here was that Arsenal, and this is me reading between the lines now rather than kind of sourced information, I think Chelsea and Manchester United were probably quoted about the same price. I'm sure Arsenal knew what that price was. The player was then out in Sweden. Um, I imagine conversations happened. Don't know that for sure on personal terms. So really, Arsenal probably came in just before the deadline and they knew the price they knew the salary and they were able to get the deal done quickly because essentially other clubs had already done the kind of the groundwork in establishing what the price was. So um, I imagine, re- again, reading between the lines, Arsenal deliberately left it late because they didn't want anyone bursting in and getting this transfer, which has happened to them a couple of times. It has happened that they've been interested in players and then someone like Chelsea comes in and, and just grabs them. So I imagine it's by design that this happened quite late, that Arsenal wanted to leave it. They knew what it would take to get the deal done, more or less, and that they probably wanted to leave it late so that no one could hijack it. Um, so it's so a really, really interesting transfer um, in in that regard. And, uh, you know, clearly Arsenal have got a very, very sought-after player and essentially they've, they've put the money down for a player that, you know, had she been available for free, they probably would have had to compete with Chelsea and Manchester United again in January. Um, and, and clearly Arsenal felt they really wanted this player. So they just said, let's put it down, let's get the money down and let's get it done. And yeah, and then she flew to London on on Thursday morning, uh, did her medical, did her media and everything like that. And then and then it's it's in the lap of the paperwork gods uh, who got it done for us um, just a few minutes before the deadline. So I just thought before I speak to Anna, um, a little bit of background on how we came across that story and, and a little bit about how it unfolded with some information and some of my speculation. But uh, really glad we got this player anyway. And now uh, we're going to talk to Anna Harrington about Kyra Cooney Cross. So joining you now from AAP Newswire uh, in Australia, obviously that's what one of the A stands for, and from the excellent Far Post pod on uh, ESPN, uh, another one of the contributors, Samantha Lewis, has been on the show a few times. Very delighted to be joined by Anna Harrington. Anna, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Well, probably not as well as you. You're up <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's been, it's fair to say, quite an up and down week for Arsenal. Um, however, at least the good bits come at the end anyway. Um, and we'll get on to why in a minute, because obviously we're going to talk about Kyra Cooney-Cross. But first of all, um, I, I just wanted like a general reflection from you, because it's been nearly a month since the end of the World Cup. And clearly as someone who's been covering women's football in Australia for quite a long time, like... How much of a whirlwind was that World Cup month for you? 
It's pretty extraordinary. Um, I mean, for me personally, I think I worked around 40 days straight. I was on the road for about 35 of them, um, which was, yeah, pretty pretty insane. But it was incredible, like the atmosphere in Australia, the crowds, the vibe, the way everyone got around it um, was just extraordinary. Obviously, we know the standard, the quality of that World Cup was incredible. And then when you have the Matildas make such a brilliant run, it was, um, yeah, really next level. You couldn't have really asked for much more bar maybe the of course, making the final or winning the whole thing. And uh, it was this weird feeling for all of us. We went, they've achieved so much. It's so fantastic. But when, you know, you get that close, like a semi-final of a World Cup, you go, you always have that little feeling of, is it is it almost a missed opportunity? But I think you look at that final and you go, the, the two best teams made it in the end. So, yeah, I think fourth at a World Cup, I think if you told uh, the Matildas they'd, or Australian football, they'd be fourth at a World Cup on home soil um, and captivate the nation the way they did, um, when they, uh, you know, won the rights to this World Cup, they'd have, you know, bitten your arm off to grab that. So, yeah, incredible, an incredible month. And, yeah, it was a real, I think it was a real come down for everyone. But, um, yeah, we'll have the A-League women starting up again soon, Olympic qualifiers next month, and then the, the show begins again, hey? Yeah, and that, that's one of the things I'm kind of interested in. It's probably, well, it's certainly too early to say, particularly because the A-League hasn't started again, as you said. But like, like one of the things we saw in England with hosting the Euros, we saw a mat, like an enormous boom in attendances. But that's kind of because most of the England players play in England. So at the Emirates, we were selling out um, because you've got like Leah Williamson, Beth Mead playing and all of that. Is, is there, what are your thoughts on what the legacy is likely to be for domestic Australian women's football, given that like most of the players, like Kyra Cooney-Cross, play, um, play in Europe? Well, I think that's the big question to be seen. The season starts in a month. I know there's been a lot of publicity around that record. Membership's already being set at the different clubs and... Um, you know, the interest is like never before and it's really urging, I guess, the league, the, the A-League women here to capitalise on that. Of course, a lot of the Matildas are, are now overseas, but I think the exciting thing for us is that most of them were really made here, developed here, um, starred in this league, and especially, you know, like Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley all played a big chunk of their years here before going overseas. I think Kyra Cooney-Cross is, um, along with, say, Ellie Carpenter, is the more modern representation of that where they're probably only going to play one or two years here and then and then kick on. We also just saw Claire Hunt, who just couldn't get a run out with injuries for years, played two good seasons at Western Sydney, and now she's at PSG. She's 13 Matildas caps in, played every minute of a World Cup. So it's really exciting, and they've got to capitalise on that. Um I'd love to see Courtney Vine, for example, test herself overseas, but it's a great um, coup for the league that she's stayed another year with Sydney FC. Getting players back like Lydia Williams, I think, is really important, a big face of the league. Um, everyone knows her from the Matildas. Um, you've dealt, dealt with her at Arsenal, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. Just a fantastic person, ambassador for the game, and fantastic player as well. So, yeah, it is going to be sort of about leaning into uh, that home of the next big things in Australian football, getting some good overseas talent in and, and really making the most of it. And I know it's a challenge that, say, England would have had after the Euros, but Australia isn't as much of a – it isn't as traditionally a football country the same way in that we've got the Australian World Football Rugby League that take a lot of the airtime here. But, yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, they've never had a better platform to launch from than this World Cup on home soil. Uh, the Socceroos also made the, the last 16 of the World Cup as well, and you'd think they'd be in a really good position to qualify for the next one. They've got an Asian Cup coming up. So Australian football should be in a good position to take advantage of this. It's just a matter of whether it does. 
Yeah, and of course, um, a club we can't really talk about on this podcast uh, in the men's game have an Australian manager as well, but we'll probably skate over <laughs> that, um, to be honest, on an Arsenal podcast. I don't, actually... don't know who you're talking about. It doesn't come up <laughs> over here. We're not talking about it much over here at all. <laughs> uh, you, you actually kind of preempted one of my, what was intended to be one of my kind of later questions there. Like mm-hmm. two of the biggest moves that happened in Europe on kind of deadline day were Claire Hunt going to PSG I I gather that I thought that Ashley Plumtree was going to PSG so I wonder um, whether that kind of fell through and they went for Claire Hunt but nevertheless she went on deadline day Kyra Cooney Cross has come to Arsenal on deadline day you kind of started on it there but is there a sense that perhaps first of all that that's kind of like quite a big boon for the A-League that two of you know, two players who've been there very recently, at least, and one who who was literally just there, have moved to these big European clubs. And do you sense that maybe the A League is becoming like a, a talent developer? Yeah, it's a huge win, especially Claire Hunt. Like she came off, as I said, in, injury ravaged. She's always highly rated as a junior international, but even her second last season at Western Sydney, she had to have a shoulder reconstruction part way through that. So it's really only this last season where she she was the captain and she really starred. And as you know, she just didn't miss it, it. I think it says a lot for how the quality players from the alley can step up. Um, but she then went and played, as I said, every minute for the Matildas at the World Cup, kept so many clean sheets, barely put a foot wrong. I, mean, I think the first time she did was in isn't in the bronze medal match. So, yeah, it's, it's a huge lift for the league. And I think there's more talent. There's clearly more talent in the league to come. I'm a big fan of Holly McNamara at Melbourne City, for example, there's, who's made her Matildas debut. There's a few floating around that can really go to that next level. Um yeah, and I think absolutely. That's that's how you got to look at it, right? Like it can still be a strong league and um, it's actually been a really good development pool as well for the US women's national team. You look in the past, you've had players like Abby Dolkemper, Emily Sonnet, mm. I think are two of the real standouts who came here, um, were maybe on the fringes or more youth internationals, cut their teeth in the – did the double season um, with the NWSL and then really kicked on. So. There's no reason to believe we can't do that here. And I think also it's just going to be hard for them to compete with your WSLs and that financially for players. It makes more sense to to really develop players. And that's the way for our, our men's league as well, to be honest, right? Like to develop players, get a fee um, is another big thing to start relying on. And yeah, it's exciting for us. If we can get players, some will want to stay here. But if we get players over and play at the highest level, that's a great result. Yeah, and we've seen like more of a migration to Europe rather than the US is, is something that's happened in the last few years. People listening to this podcast who are fairly new to Arsenal women might not know that Kim Little and Jen Beattie uh, played, had loan spells in Melbourne. Kim Little's um, season in Melbourne was one of the greatest all-time seasons we've ever had here, <laughs> which would come as no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast. She was extraordinary in Melbourne yeah, that uh, year. Absolutely. And I know people in Seattle feel exactly the same about her. And I know we do as well here at Arsenal. But what we're really here to discuss is Arsenal signing Kyra Cooney-Cross. That's a real tongue twister. I was on a podcast yesterday and I had to say Kyra Cooney-Cross's contract. And uh, it took me several attempts. And that's something I'm going to really have to try and get used to. But just very generally, what would you say she's like as a player and what are her qualities that Arsenal fans that perhaps haven't seen that much of her should look out for? I think she's fantastic. Um, and she's really matured for one thing, having especially, I haven't watched as much at Hammerby, obviously, but for the Matildas, having Katrina Gorry as that um, more senior midfielder next to her, 
She's got explosive pace. She has an underrated leap. And uh, a term I've seen by a couple of analysts on Twitter I really like is press breaker. Um, and that's exactly what she is. She's so good at turning on the ball. Um, she's not afraid of players pressing her. She's not afraid of players coming to take her on. She backs herself with the ball at her feet. She takes them on. She's got a really lovely passing range. I mean, of course, that can sometimes lead to turnovers, which I think is our, our midfield generally, right? If you're high-risk, high-reward players, occasionally you bite off more than you can chew. But at 21, there's just so much potential there. She played in the in the A-League women as well as a winger at times. Um, she's played as like a 10, she's played as a 6, included with the national team. Um, but I think that sort of counterbalancing midfield with Katrina Gori has, has worked so well with her. As I mentioned, she's got that explosive pace, loves to have the ball at her feet, uh, loves to be creative, loves to get involved. You can shift her out onto the wing and she can do damage. If you look back at our friendly against France um, pre-World Cup, that is actually one thing she did to great effect. Skillful, clearly wants to learn, clearly has so much. Like It feels like she has a, a sky-high ceiling. Um which is super exciting. There's so much more to come from her. Um, I I personally, and she doesn't mind doing the hard yards to get back defensively as well, which is what you love to see. I think she's tough. She's got a, we didn't see it so much at the World Cup, but seeing it at Melbourne Victory, she can have a little bit of an angry streak in her at times. Like she doesn't mind going in for the big challenges. She, um, you know, is uncompromising as well, which is only going to get better and better. And I think the thing is, with the Matildas, I'm no speaking to Tony Gustafson about this. They've tried to just let her express herself, and that's where having Gori next to her has been really good. Less pressure on her. She's sort of able to just play the way that suits her. And um, obviously she would have a lot to learn and she'll develop a whole lot. And I imagine there'll be some little teething issues going into a club at the level of Arsenal, but the potential is there. And you watch any of her highlights for club and country so far, you, you know, it's sky high, as I said, right? And um, in terms of like, because Arsenal are in a situation that they've kind of quietly future-proofed their midfield because we've got Kim Little, we've got Leo Valti. Leo Valti's 30, Kim Little's 33. I mean, they're both a lot younger than me, so I'm not going to talk about them in terms of retirement or anything like that. But there has been a need to build. And so Arsenal have gone and got Pullover, Catherine Cool, Mornham, and now uh, Kyra's 21. She might have to be patient just because Leo Valti and Kim Little are, are very well established but probably two pretty good players to learn from as well. Do you get the sense, I think everyone knew that she was probably going to move, if not this window, definitely the next one, that Arsenal's the right move for her? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I personally, when I saw you guys break the news, I loved that Arsenal took the initiative and sucked it up and paid to get the player they wanted. Um, I think that's only going to become more common in women's football. Um, when I remember talking to a couple of people about Cooney Cross and the links to Chelsea and talk of Man United and getting her for a free in January, I was talking to a couple of people and going, geez, if I had a bit of cash to throw around, I'd just pay up now because, you know, if Hammerby say they don't want to sell, every player is available for a price, right? And if you find that price, then you get the player you want. Now, I love that Arsenal have done that. I think that's a really um, proactive move. And it tells the player you want them, right? You're not just hanging around to be one of the suitors and trying to be the best one. You're saying, no, you're our player, I want you. So I imagine that would be huge for a young player to have that sort of confidence in you. I'm going to be really interested to see how she handles um, that fight for spots. Like I know that's something that Caitlin Ford, for example, had to handle, but Caitlin Ford was a few years older when she moved to Arsenal. She's mature. She dealt with some setbacks at Portland and other clubs as well. So she sort of knew how to handle it. Um, I think the thing that's really benefited Cooney Cross is playing very regularly, right, which is really big for young players. So I think Arsenal will be the right move because I think the style of play suits her. I think she's exciting. I, 
I feel like you'd know this better than me. There will be the window or the opportunity for her to, to break in. Obviously, one less competition, apologies, doesn't help in terms of playing minutes to go around. Um, but, yeah, I think that's – I don't want to say it's a concern. I think when you're a young player, if you end up on the bench and you've got to have that different approach of coming on and trying to change the game or preserve the game or things like that, that's where it can be quite – quite difficult and I think that's a challenge that she'll have to deal with that she probably hasn't had to deal with since she first sort of broke through at Melbourne Victory right as a teenager of 15 16 year old is um biding your time and knowing that maybe you will have to just get through training and then and then play and take your opportunities when they come that's that's a challenge that I think will be interesting to see how how she deals with but in the long term uh, she's gonna be a super player yeah, yeah. And, and actually, because Arsenal aren't in the Champions League, they play the Conti Cup group stages now. So they actually do have the same number of games, but not, frankly, not as important. So I, I actually think she might get more minutes there because Arsenal probably will, will rotate heavily for that competition. Um, that said, I don't think that's the competition she signed up for. I saw her in the stands at Ling Chirping last week. Didn't think anything of it, to be honest, because I know she's based in Sweden and a couple of her friends play for Arsenal, but there we go. Um, you, you mentioned it there. Um, she really kind of came to prominence in Melbourne at Melbourne Victory, right? What were, um, what were some of her highlights there? And was it, I, I mean, I've seen... Uh, uh, image of a, a goal she scored for a very important goal she scored from a corner um, but was it obvious when she was coming through that she was destined for this kind of move it maybe not this quickly she always felt like she could go overseas at some point and do something special I think a lot of people having spoken to say Elise Kellen Knight um, and Katrina Gorey who've played football with her um, KK was obviously over at Hammerby with her for a bit uh, both of their favorites you know it's, it wasn't about rushing into these moves or doing it too soon. I think the fact that she's gone to Sweden and played really well has been really important for her. Like if she'd just gone from victory to a big club like Arsenal, that you know, that, that could have been an overwhelming jump. But she's clearly proven herself as I think Gori told me that she's one of the best midfielders in Sweden, right? So I mean she had such a good World Cup that she will come in confident. Yeah, she's always been highly rated. Like obviously did Junior Matilda's young Matildas was a standby player at the twenty nineteen Women's World Cup. Um which, you know, says a lot that you get called up um, to train with the team at such a young age. Um, so, her, yeah, she's clearly always had the ability. I think it was whether the time that she left the, the A-League women and, and making the step and how that played out. I think there's always never really been a doubt she could play at the, the top level. And I think a lot of people thought for a while it would end up being Chelsea, just I guess because of how Emma Hayes has spoken about Cooney Cross in broadcast on the part, in the past. But, yeah. I guess to sum it up, I don't think anyone's surprised that she's ending up at a big club. Maybe that it's happened so quickly might be the the surprise. But I think after that World Cup, the move was always going to come. So maybe pre-World Cup, not so quickly, but post-World Cup, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually whether you were aware of kind of talk during the World Cup because what I know is that Arsenal did scout her in Sweden. Like Arsenal have a Swedish coach, so Sweden's a, a very kind of fertile ground for them. Um, and I know that Arsenal watched her closely during the World Cup, that they had scouts watching her. But during the tournament, I was told Arsenal were interested, but they felt that Chelsea were were closer and that they wouldn't be able to get the deal done. Clearly, Chelsea took a step back. Were you, were you aware of any of that kind of talk during the tournament about her future? Um, I knew that there had been some talk about it. I think when, uh, I can't remember which game it was after when 
Anne Wright was posting the, the Cooney Cross bro and talking about her on the podcast. You're like, gee, she's really cutting through here. And it's quite funny because a lot of the, the narrative you get in Australia, Katrina Gorey is a sensational player and she was one of our top couple of players of the tournament, I think you'd argue. So it's funny that we were all maybe talking about Katrina Gorey and at the same time being like, geez, Kyra Cooney Cross is so good, so talented. Look at her when she breaks away from players, so talented. But um, it's funny I, I read a story actually mid World Cup when I was in Matilda's camp, and I was like, "Transfer launch pad." That's what a World Cup does. And the two players I homed in on were Kara Cooney Cross and Claire Hunt, and obviously their their deals got done on on the same day. Um, so yeah, I think you got the vibe as that World Cup progressed, and she just continued to shine that it was gonna come. Like, because how could you not? I, I think looking at the Australia games. If you were watching them, so many of them are obviously already snapped up by big clubs. Like Mary Fowler's already snapped up by City, for example, right? If you look at that Matildas team and how they played, the two clear, obvious players that you would go for in terms of age, profile, potential were Claire Hunt and Kyra Cooney-Cross. So, yeah, it, I, I think it, as the tournament went on, it wasn't a surprise. Anna, because like the way um, Australia started to play under Tony Gustafsson, they moved to this kind of four four two, four four one one, whatever you want to call it. But kind of one of the few big international teams that only plays with two central midfielders. So clearly, there's a big kind of load on on uh, Gory and Cooney Cross. And and the thing is as well about Cooney Cross is that she's not in. Obviously, she's a lot younger. She's not in that core that's been together forever of Alana Kennedy, Caitlin, Sam Kerr, um, Haley Rasso, and, and who are all about between twenty eight and thirty. But it doesn't look like to me she came through with Ellie Carpenter either. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Because I know there was this thing building up to the World Cup about developing that next layer, and that that was a big part of Tony Gustafsson's job. Just about how she kind of forced her way into the Australia team and the, the kind of role she was playing. Yeah, I think she's just been really highly rated for a long time. They brought in ahead of the Olympics. I think when you might remember when Tony first took over, they were basically lambs to the slaughter against the Netherlands and Germany. And I think it was um, Kyra and Courtney never made debuts. Mary Fowler came back into the folds. There were a few examples. There are a bunch of players that got given caps or got tested out and some haven't really been called back in. Others have played. Yeah, I think they've been the key beneficiaries. I remember talking to Tony ahead of the Tokyo Olympics and he said about Cooney Cross and Fowler, since it's obviously two years ago now, right, um, that they just wanted to, I think, let them, I think the quote was let them sparkle, like not put too much pressure on them. And they're clearly the two players that have been really homed in on. Claire Hunt is a more recent addition. Charlie Grant, another with Ellie, especially that was fast-tracked by Ellie Carpenter's injury. Up forward, it's probably not been so much come through because it's still been, you know, the Ford, Kerr, Razzo show for much of it, albeit with some corny vine moments. But, yeah, I think they would be the the main um, examples. Um, sorry, just one sec. Of, um, yeah, of the players that have come through. Yeah, you mentioned there, um, and you mentioned earlier as well, that, you know, she went to Sweden, went to Hammerby. I know there are a couple of Matildas there, Claire, Claire Pokinghorn. You just mentioned Charlie Grant as well. Was there... Like um, and and Sweden has kind of moved in Europe to being this kind of development, like the place you go before you go to England or Germany. Now, was there any surprise when she moved to a, a club like Hammerby, particularly not one of what people would regard as one of the big traditional Swedish teams? Uh, no, not really. I think 
as I sort of alluded to before, it felt like a natural step. I know they'd been sniffing around for a bit. There've been some reports coming out. A lot of Australians have gone and played in Sweden. It's a league that com- has traditionally complemented quite well um, with the W League, I League Women, and is a, obviously, as we know, can be a really good stepping stone. It's a strong league in its own right. Um, so, no, I don't think anyone was too surprised because you looked at that league and you went, well, there's somewhere she can go and sort of play straight away. And if you look, especially, I mean, it can't help. I imagine that, that Tony is from there and based there for some of these players. But, you know, as I mentioned, Elise Keller Knights had a few stints there. Emily Gilnick was there for a bit. Um, a lot of our, our players have had a run through there. Charlie Grant, Katrina Gorey, obviously, the ones I mentioned. Tegan Micah who's obviously going to play at Liverpool this year. So, no, not a huge surprise, I think, because it's a league where players can really develop. Amy Sayer, uh, one to watch is one I'd say, is at Kristenstad. So she's another, you know, on the fringes of the Matildas that could really kick on, I think, was probably the, the 24th player with this World Cup squad that just happened and maybe should have been in there with the, the Kai Simon injury, right? So, yeah, it's not a... Um, a surprise, really. It wasn't really a surprise when she went to Sweden. It felt like a very natural stepping stone, given her young age. I think she was only about 19 when she went, which makes sense. She's 21 now. So, yeah, she was also still a bit raw, you know. Like, that's what young players are. They need to get games and games and games. And the, the A-League women has expanded these last two years. But when Kara was playing there, it was still only, what, 14-game season. So, no, not a huge surprise. And that's what she needed, minutes, starting minutes, to become a really confident player. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting from an Arsenal point of view, because obviously we got Australians because we had an Australian coach for a few years. We don't have one anymore, but we have a Swedish coach. So perhaps we still have like uh, a bit of a a bit of a line in to some of this kind of Australian talent. Um, Just just as a final question, I wonder if you've ever spoken to Kyra and I guess what uh, I mean, even if you haven't, what kind of personality she is and what this might be like coming to a club like Arsenal. And clearly, look, she plays with Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford at international level. I'm sure she's not going to be too daunted, but how she might be like as a figure in the dressing room. Uh, it's funny with media, she's very shy and doesn't really enjoy doing it. Um, she's certainly not the first footballer to be like that, though. Um She's sort of more quietly spoken is my impression, but I think also in camp I get the impression she might be a little bit more cheeky and fun and that sort of thing. Um, the side we see as journos, as you know, is, is that bit different. Um, but I think she speaks well. Um, when she does do media, she handles herself pretty well. She um, gets it. She's just very, very young and I think um, has been in the path very raw with media. It's still uh, sort of it's been a very rapid rise. So... I think she'll get better and better at that. That that said, she's spoken, you know, came through mixed zones after both wins and losses at the World Cup and I thought acquitted herself really well. I think what will help is, uh, one, she can play. Clearly she can play. We've all seen that at the World Cup. Two, you've got Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, who are two very senior players, not just of the Matildas, but obviously at Arsenal as well, who know her well, can you know, just vouch for her, throw an arm around her, help her out. Um, there's clearly no shortage of leadership. You've got, you know, current and former national team captains and like, you know, those midfielders alone, Luthal, Welty, who I'm sure will help develop a good player. It takes takes a bit of uh, running out of their legs as well, I imagine, if she kicks on pretty quickly. She plays with a lot of confidence um, and she's got that speed. As I said, she's not afraid on the field. And I think if she can bring that in and, um, you know, do the numbers training-wise and put the work in on the pitch, I don't see why she couldn't settle in. I, I couldn't really speak for her myself in terms of a, a dressing room personality, but... Yeah, I think it's all there. It's just a matter of getting it out of her. And I think it'll be interesting to see how she goes, like whether she hits the ground running or 
as we said, whether she does sort of need some time to to ease in. Um, but no, it, I'm really excited to see what happens there because I, I just think she's only going to get better and better. Like at 21, she was running rings around some pretty handy players. So in that sort of environment full-time at, at Arsenal, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where she can get to. Yeah, sure. And, and there, there is a, a, like a core of younger players at Arsenal as well, like Catherine Cool, like Frieda Mornham, like Gio, um, who are around her age, um, I think, which will help as well. And, and clearly a help for the Matildas as well, because I think we saw, um, well, our summer, when I say this summer, um, you guys saw what we guys, what, what we what we see in that Catley-Ford link up on the left-hand side, the fact that that is a club and country thing, uh, very uh-huh. prosperous for both teams. <laughs> It always has been a very good link up. I think um, just the they found that the, the Kerr Ford front two was working really well, and they wanted to go with that. But then, yeah, I, I love the way Ford and Catley play together. I, I think it's one of the best combinations in the world. It's it's so good. It it's really is fantastic to watch. So hopefully, and Ford has combined with Cooney Cross as well when she's played centrally um, next to Kerr. So. Hopefully, you know, we see some of those combinations and some of that understanding come in. Um, And again, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up using her a little bit on the wing as well, just because we know she has that pace on the the right. I think she's played for us at at times as she works in there. So, yeah, she's played in a few different systems now for club and country as well, which can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, interesting. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully she continues to produce for the Matildas and produces for Arsenal. But very, very appreciative appreciative of your time uh, today. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll have you on the next time Arsenal sign uh, a young Australian from Sweden. Probably like next week, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to see how um, all three Aussies do uh, do over there this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much to Anna for joining us. And that's uh, that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back with a podcast next week, uh, looking ahead to the WSL season. Maybe we'll do a bit of a mailbag um, as well. But um, until then, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.